0: Welcome back to that rugby podcast, joined by myself and Hughie uh, from the sports booth. We're back doing another podcast every week. Rolling them out now, back in person. Yep. loving it. Hughie, how are you? How's your week been? How's I guess you're not under any rule yet, but mm, approaching approaching any rule. E day is approaching. E day yeah. is approaching. Are well,
1: you excited? Well, he's he's already very much taken over uh, spiritually, if not contractually yet. <laughs> you know, um, it feels like a bit of attitude is back in Australian rugby, which is great and, and we'll, we'll get on to get on that, but it feels a bit like there's a there's a figurehead, there's a masthead again. Um, and that sort of n- necessary persona of Australian rugby um, has been missing for a bit. so uh, that'll weave into a couple of things that we're going to talk about today um, or my opinion on the things that we're going to talk about today, but uh, it feels good it feels good that Rugby Australia's got some teeth again. it feels like there's got someone, like the NRL found its teeth again in Peter Verlandis, and, yep. and who's Eddie Jones be clashing with this week? <laughs> Peter Vallandis <laughs> is two. It's two bulldogs going at it. Just bulldogs with great. a couple of sharp teeth going at it. Yeah, right? well, I mean, if there's, I mean, that's what they look like as well. So, you <laughs> know, um, so it's it's um, it's great stuff for to have rugby in the headlines and and have uh, rugby in the media.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I again, I don't want to be too. I guess dismissive of Rennie, but instantly we've had, what, about three or four podcasts that Eddie Jones has found himself on, you know, talking up why he's taking the job, Australian rugby, what he sees in it, what he can do, calling out shots at Peter Valandis, something you wouldn't get from a Dave Rennie who's a very, you know, controlled individual, business means business, whereas Eddie Jones' business means anything get possible to get Australia yeah. any, in the headlines.
1: Anything is on the... T- any, to get Australian rugby to headlines, to get Australian rugby winning again. Yes. You know, which is great. And I've seen a few things. I, w- I want to address this here as well. Like, uh, there's a few articles that have gone out, rightly or wrongly, really, saying that uh, the fact that Dave Rennie was a, a Kiwi is the reason why he lost the job. Now, that's not the reason why he lost the job. I'm sure it probably factored into it a little bit. That's no. for sure. But the f- the the... the what definitely factored into it was the winning percentage, which is the worst in Australian rugby history. So, yeah, and, if, if, and, if he if
0: he was at seventy yeah. percent, he wouldn't have lost his job.
1: I, I think even if he was above fifty percent, if he had a winning record, you have. Then now, granted, he's had so much to contend with, but above fifty percent is where you've got to got to be, um, and a lot of tough losses. And oh, look, at the end of the day, the buck continue. stops. What the buck stops with the the buck stops with the coach with with those kinds of things, like, you know. For me, when we lost to Wales, uh, sorry, when we lost to Italy, I was a bit like, you know, sort of, sort of is what is, but it's emblematic of the Rennie era, uh, and it feels like, oh look, it's all, good. it was all building up to this World Cup, right? And if you could achieve a result this World Cup, all past sins would be forgiven. Um, and unfortunately he never got that chance, and it was just and evidently rugby Australia had just seen enough to be like, okay we're cutting it here, we're going to go with Eddie and it's like okay fair enough you know i would have I would have liked to see what Rennie could do with the world Cup it's not going to happen though, and he wasn't achieving well You felt like he was building towards the world Cup, but patience runs out, and that's where it ran out so you know is what it is kind of thing
0: yeah definitely and i uh, and I think yeah, I think anyone who writes that it was because of his New Zealand heritage, is slightly stupid because right. you've got to look at uh, the factor of events that were there. I think any anyone who uh, I saw an article today. I can't even remember who. Was, I think it was Israel Dagg said, you know, it wasn't. It was disgusting that he got the way they treated him. I'm like, man, look at the world today. Microsoft laying off people. You know, who'd worked for the company for sixteen and a half years. Yeah, yeah you've got. Just companies galore laying off people, and you're going to sit there and say it's disgusting because potentially not even just a, like it's this isn't just a layoff; they've got a better coach in there. And, yeah, and so I just I'm like you know I, I know Dave Rennie's a person. We we all people, and and I get I get the sympathy that can be there, but don't act like this is something out of the like you know like it couldn't this happen happens, to anyone. Like yeah. it, if you're good enough, it wouldn't happen to you. And exactly, again, we come not, back to that winning percentage.
1: It's not. It's not behavior that exists purely in and around Dave Rennie. Like this wasn't some new thing that suddenly came out of nowhere um, that's never been seen before in the rugby world or in coaching ranks. Happens all the time to coaches in all sports, all codes, all across the world. Sport is a business at the end of the day and the business is winning. Yep. And he wasn't, he wasn't achieving his results. And you, you could see it there. I don't think it's disgusting. I would have liked to see him play at the World Cup, but equally they needed to get Eddie Jones while he was available. That's what you got to do. It it it, it it's just it's it's one of those things. I don't think, you know, Rennie. I think Rennie encapsulated perfectly, and it's it's who he is when he said he's disappointed he didn't get to do the World Cup. But I think that's the best way to express it. It's not disgust or anger or anything. It's disappointment, yeah. right? And I, I'm sure he would probably be disappointed as well in the results that he achieved. Um, and and that, and that that that's what it is at the end of the day. It's not anything more than that. It's not anything less than that. That it, it is what it is, guys. You, sometimes you just have to accept that.
0: I mean, 99% of professions in the world, you get someone who's completing their job at a 73% rate, success rate versus a 38% rate, success rate, you're probably taking the 73%. Let yeah. me do a blind coach test and you select one of the coaches, 100 out of 100 are selecting Eddie Jones. If we, if we put up their resumes for the time Eddie Jones was in England and, and Dave Rennie, enough of, enough
1: of that, though. We, we, I, I've got, I do actually have an interesting hypothesis for you. Yes. Right? Okay. Say... Say, for example, uh, I'm just going to think of some – okay, say you've got – say David Rennie was coaching the All Blacks, right, yeah. at a similar percentage to um, – Ian Foster. To, to Ian Foster or to – no, sorry, to, to what he did for the Wallabies, right? So low winning percentage, right? He's gone. Okay. but And say Eddie Jones is available for the All Blacks. Right, He said, I want to come coach the All Blacks, really stick it to the Wallabies or whatever. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I know, Siri, it's hard to <laughs> comprehend. Uh, but say Eddie Jones says, I want to come coach the All Blacks. For whatever reason, raise it. All your other coaches aren't available, all your other potential hires. But say Eddie Jones is there waiting in the wings, ready to go, right? Would you sack Dave Rennie, a Kiwi, in favour of Eddie Jones and Aussie?
0: No. 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 no.
1: I would rather lose with a Kiwi at the helm than win with an Australian at the helm. I think that's another reason why they went with Eddie Jones as well. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's, uh, so, and so that's why I'm not denying that him being a New Zealander.
0: It, but you putting it that way, I would, I would rather, rather lose with a New Zealander at the helm than win with an Australia. Now, if this was years and years of going at a, a, around about fifty percent win rate, I could, I could, you could twist my arm. Yep. But I think that's the fact that we've had such great success that I go, I wouldn't expect anyone bar a New Zealander to be in that yep. role.
1: And I think that plays into the thing as well. And that's why I said, yes, there is definitely some element to it. I think Dave Rennie had a shorter leash because he was in his, but even then he really stretched that least with a really, he, he didn't produce results. If Dave, if Rennie had been producing the results, as I said, if he's above 50% and you know, better than the last, better than check has been right. Say, yeah. And then he gets sacked in favor of Eddie Jones, even though Eddie Jones got a higher win percentage, I would be questioning. i would more. be questioning it more because he's had success, but we're not getting that success, and yeah, and that's why I said the standard for Eddie Jones is the same as the standard for what we expected from Dave Rennie, because – and then even if he only achieves what Dave Rennie would have achieved, I would still rather that – follow that same standard with an Aussie than with a Kiwi. Yeah. It's better to – there is something about having someone from your own country coach your team. And
0: now you say that hypothetical. If Eddie Jones was somehow coaching the All Blacks, let's say – he would be on the shortest leash foster. Yeah. Like, you fuck up, then it's you're not here long. Like, exactly. I would have no worry. I would Like, say he was getting him Foster's results, I would have been, get him out of there. Yeah. I would have uh, said, get him out of there. I would have been probably leader of the Get Eddie Jones Out of the All Blacks Coaching Role <laughs> band, you know. Um, so, uh, so, totally. Yeah, settle down, Israel. There yeah, you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but um, what I kind of want to get onto, especially with yes. Eddie Jones back in the seat now, like, pretty much... I know we're still like three or four days out from him actually taking it on, but he's, he's fired shots at the NRL. Yes. He's, he's targeted them and then got a little bit of ammo out of them. He, he, he managed to get a nibble from them. Yeah. And then he's chomped right back I, at Peter Volandis.
1: I really like it because, and it's brought up discussion and it's probably putting some ideas into some players' minds about, you know, the, there's some good points to be made about playing Union over League, right? Greater international opportunities is is the obvious one. That's the this the thing that's always talked about with union over over league. Yeah, Roger Tuivasa-Sheck made the switch so he could be an All Black, right? We saw uh, Vunavalu for Australia recently, as well, but we've also seen other converts. Corobetti, one of your best players. Corobetti, exactly. But even if we go back further to Eddie Jones' first run. Sailor Takiri, Rogers yep. Campbell, uh, Campbell played, I think. Yeah, I believe so. I believe he was for right. Brumbies. Brumbies. So. There's that. That's the that's the very obvious one. But then there's also what you've talked about a, a bit, Luke, which is that at the moment there's uncertainty in the NRL. There's dispute between the players and the NRL, and it's really interesting to see the media machine uh, owned by the private television networks go to work, uh, calling the players greedy and basically trying to get the public to turn against the players to get the players to cave, to get the NRL to go, so they get the media revenue money. It's very very obvious. Sky Sports slash Fox Sports, <laughs> we see you. Right. Uh, whereas the players... Are, uh, what I find really amazing is that it's the star players speaking up about it, about issues that don't affect them. Yeah. Right. It's about the lower-grade players. It's about the women's pay grade and things like that as well, and they're being characterized as greedy when they're not trying to get bigger paychecks. from The people that are speaking out are not trying to get bigger paychecks for themselves. They're trying to support their mates uh, and their uh, sister teams and things like that, yeah. which I think is a really good cause, and I think that, that it should it should be the NRL should be looking at that better, but this is an NRL podcast. This is a rugby podcast. And from a rugby perspective, this turmoil is great, right? These players, they don't know when they're going to play any more international matches in a league setting, right? Because that's totally up in the air with the bargain agreement as well. The NRL season itself is potentially in jeopardy. The players are refusing to do any promotional material at the moment, which is why you might've noticed a lack of advertising around the NRL kicking off again. Uh, and there's all of this stuff in there, and then out from the shadows comes Papa Eddie Jones, kindly, kindly old Eddie Jones, tray full of cookies. Oh, come here, <laughs> my, come here, my sweet. Do you want to want to don a gold jersey? You want to pay for the wallabies? Maybe maybe win a world cup. You know. Oh, hi there, uh, Calen Ponga. It seems like you're having some contract disputes with the Newcastle Knights at the moment. Why don't you come over here? Oh, hi there. Joseph Sawali you used to play rugby. You were quite good, I remember. You know, <laughs> oh, it's it's Mel didn't pick you for the the Kangaroos, or you played for Samoa, and you didn't quite make it there. Well. How'd you like to? How'd you like to play for the Wallabies? Play for a really talented international team, you know, mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. And there's this little voice in the back of the players' minds, like, hmm, you know what? The NRL is like what twenty six rounds plus finals plus Origin and things like that. Super rugby is a fair bit less than that, right? And yeah. there's greater breaks when I've got international stuff on. It's not all. It's not. 30-something weeks all on a row going straight from the NRL into a World Cup, things like that. Travel hmm. the world. Yeah, you know, travel. Go to France. France is pretty nice, huh? Uh, bigger paychecks as well from Rugby Australia potentially. You know, no salary cap issues there. Yep. Right? If you're a 19, 20-year-old Joseph Sawali looking to set yourself up for the future.
0: Will Penasini as well, you okay. know, like um,
1: become a superstar. Exactly, right? You know, Paramount doesn't like you that much, Will Penasini. Why would you keep playing there, right? All the talent's gone. Championship window's closed there. Championship winner is just opening for the World Cup, which is the biggest rugby event in the world yep. of both league and and union, right? They, it's, the, it's the biggest and best competition. There's nothing in league that comes close to it. Like, Origin is biggest, but it's only within Australia. Yep. Rugby League World Cup, it's getting bigger. Still nowhere near the Rugby World Cup, right? I think it's probably the second biggest international competition after the Soccer World Cup, right? Like, what other sport has... Uh, has oh, I a love pokes, of- but yeah. <laughs> if it's not second, it's definitely food, I'll yeah. tell you that. So, you know, and as well, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on in a different segment we have planned, but being a successful Wallaby makes you a household name across the country, not just in New South Wales and Queensland. Like it's across the whole country because everyone, when it's Rugby World Cup time, even if you're an AFL fan, you tune in to watch the Rugby World Cup. Like I'm not a soccer slash football fan. I watched the, the World Cup because that's where you get behind your country yep. and, and want to support them, right? And you do not get that with the NRL. No. You do not get that with the NRL.
0: Yeah, I imagine Eddie Jones is sitting there and going to those players and pitching, hey, you know that a core stadium that we you fill out for your state of origin. Mm. Imagine that field of yellow jerseys mm. against an all blacks in a Bledisloe Cup game. We'll do that. And you know what? Well two years later, we'll fill it. For a home World Cup final,
1: yeah,
0: absolutely packed. Maybe even the MCG, but I don't think it'll be at a core, I imagine um, we'll fill that with yellow jerseys. Yeah, you'll be wearing that that gold jersey, and you'll be scoring a try in the corner to win us a rugby World Cup. Yeah, how does that? How does that look? How does that feel? How does it? Just just imagine it, picture it, and now say it with me: final try, winning the game, rugby World Cup winner. Yeah, and he's just whispering that into into all those players' ears. Yeah, it's. I, I said it, in, uh, if you haven't watched, jump onto our YouTube. I did a; uh, it's a great opportunity to look into rugby union kind of versus rugby league in Australia at the moment, as an All Blacks kind of neutral fan. Um, and I, I just think it's an opportunity for Australian rugby to rise. And someone actually, well, uh, commented on that video, and I thought it was one of the better pieces of uh, comments I've written and uh, written read, uh, and it stated. You know the way he saw it, and he's just opinion-based alone. Australian rugby or rugby in Australia has potential to grow.
1: Yeah.
0: What, what what potential of growth does league have? Like, yeah, okay. Obviously, you have kids. You're probably going to bring them up with league, but it's not. You're expanding to but you're not going any bigger in australia like the australian squad isn't getting any like bigger and the global game isn't getting any bigger so australian rugby for the lack of trophies the lack of ability over the past 10 years you could say the last 10 years has been rock bottom for australian rugby yeah. if we start even just being slightly more competitive then that the, the, yeah. where does it stop like if exactly. you say win another world cup then you win two world cups and then all of a sudden you know you and the all blacks a battling every single year and it's like these games are meaningful all of a sudden you're getting a hundred thousand into them I, he was like there's an opportunity for growth like we probably haven't seen before which i thought was a good take on it um yep. what i do want answered is eddie jones has come in who will be your captain obviously hoops the the one and only has had his his mental demons to battle slip's done a good job Alan Aliatoa is signed on Just to twenty twenty seven. Does Eddie Jones go, look, let's give Hoops one last cricket at this World Cup. Actually slips will carry us through to this World Cup, or does he go, actually, Alan's got Alan's got us as a as a leader for the next, you know, five years?
1: I think he puts it in Hooper's hands. I think he's got I think he's gonna have a sit down conversation with Hooper and says, uh, even when you're not the captain of this team, the players Look at you as the captain, right? You are the you are the leader via um, your actions as well as your your words. But I'm not going to put that pressure on you of being the formal captain unless you want it. And so I think he will ask Cooper if he wants to be captain. But there's no expectation for him to be captain. He said, "Look, it's entirely up to you. Tell me what you want. I want what's best for you as a player." Um, and and. I think you would be a great captain for Australia. You've served that role well. But if it is too much pressure for you in addition to continuing to play and keeping your body right, we won't put that pressure on you. Um, and then I think if he I think if Hooper says he he it's he, he's done as captain, his time's passed, I think it's slipper then. Slipper? Yeah. Over Ali I think so. I think Slipper's got the probably the the, just from what I've seen, like, the on the field, like, uh, they're both great players on the field, but I feel like Slipper's got a little bit more leadership edge on, on, on the field.
0: I, uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. I just think you do go Elliotore and you go, look, this is our captain through to 2027. Give him an experience at this World Cup where we're not expected to win it. Yeah. Whereas it comes back to home, so it is. He's mm-hmm. slightly younger than uh, Slipper. And he's, Twenty eight compared to Slippers thirty three or thirty two, um, and I think what naming him captain gets is a bit more interest with those poly boys and especially the yeah. ones we named. And again, it's not. I don't think they'll be
1: like, "Oh, Slippers captain." I'm not gonna, you know. But yeah. it is.
0: It is a respect thing. And if yeah. you've got a guy like. Eliotowa leading you.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. It's just an I would, It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me either. Eddie Jones is
0: obviously, I imagine, having all of these conversations. Yeah. And the big thing is, you're probably at the most experienced group with those three, where, you know, Slippers led the Brumbies, has led the Brumbies. So you're not worrying. Like both of those obviously know how to be leaders. Yeah. Like you said, even if Hooper's not the lead, Hooper is the Steve Smith. When Steve Smith wasn't allowed to captain the test yep. team, you know, everyone still goes, Oh, does what does Smith, Steve Smith say about this review? You know, they're not asking if Pat Cummings is really checking it, but it is it is like that. Like if Hooper says no, it's still he's going to be a leader, yeah, even with just his actions. So, exactly, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see who he names and if he goes in a different direction and has something completely different lined up, you know, a, a Rob Valentini like type thing, who he yep. knows is always going to be there, leads by front football. Um, we don't know. to to be honest, um, but I'm sure we will find out in due course. Um, I'm interested, when is the first international game? We'll we'll have to look into that um, because I would love to know who he does select and when he has to select it. On to some not-so-good rugby news. The Waratahs, Kirtley Bell, Australian Rugby. Shining a pretty average light, below average light on... The sport, just as we were kind of getting into good news headlines and stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, the I don't want to talk too much about the alle, you know allegations, the, the yeah. allegations, and everything like that. But what it does do is it puts into the spotlight a player we chatted about mainly you really bringing him up, but Maxi organson Yeah, it's really potentially uh, a. You know, an opportunity for him to to grab that uh, fifteen jersey, about fifteen jersey, uh, depending on what happens with with well, Kirtley yeah. and and his availability. So,
0: I guess yeah. What we'll, we'll yeah. say with Kirtley, Bill, obviously, if you haven't heard, he has um, been has he been charged yet? Uh, yeah, I believe he has been charged. been charged for sexual assault. Um, we won't go too deep into that. He alligator. has been charged because he was granted bail. Okay, so being charged with uh, sexual assaults um, and a. Uh, um, pub slash club in Bondi mm. um, So yeah I guess He's been stood down for now It's disappointing It's a much more As we've said Rugby league headline Than a rugby union one But it's happened uh, Obviously he goes into the courts now Everything goes through everything and and you let you let everything take care of itself Uh, we don't know who's guilty or not yet um, but you'll just wait and see but like Kuzia said to put a I guess a good light on this it does give players opportunities I like the way Australian rugby and Waratahs react stand them down just get it uh, Kirtley Bell just settle this um, and then go from there it's disappointing um, the fact that it's come out like this especially because I think he is such a proud Aborigine um, and just a Definitely a role model to some of those younger Aborigine players, so uh, it is a little bit disappointing to, from that, but again, yeah, we don't know if he's guilty or not guilty yet, we'll find all that out and do. course. Uh, the New Zealand Sevens just took place, where the Golden Girls and Golden Boys weren't so golden, um, and that leads on to the Sydney Sevens, which I shall be attending, which will be a good good time but yes uh sevens is a, is a much more hotly contested I, I just want a massive asterisk next to the the men's win last year now because i think it was a fraud obviously new zealand weren't there for half the year I'm, I'm not happy about it uh i want it i actually probably want it just cut and just put covid year and i don't think i think you should go to lose all your trophies to
1: be honest yeah, that's your opinion uh, i, I don't, don't i i really don't need to say anything about it because we've got the hardware so yeah yeah
0: Well, yeah. Uh, should have an asterisk on the hardware I mean do,
1: do you want you want to put an asterisk next to the the uh, uh but is like game one last year as well with, with asterisk dickhead ref
0: well, no, 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 because that wasn't that wasn't a COVID situation, my friend. That wasn't taken out of your hands. It wasn't a Prime Minister saying they couldn't travel,
1: was it? I don't team. know. It sounds like the French referee had COVID, with how, and was a fever dream imagining uh, a running yeah. clock or something. Yeah, you're a typical Aussie. Just accept you lost,
0: you know. It didn't really matter because we put 40 on you next week in the Garden of Eden. Getting off topic. Um,
1: it's because we were violated the week before by a terrible call from a French referee that had with what, what I'm hearing
0: is the Wallabies don't have enough mental strength to overcome a couple of you know dubious calls and that will it's because their Kiwi coach didn't prepare
1: him well enough oh. f- <laughs> <laughs> it was a yeah, sabotage yeah, job yeah Yeah,
0: inside job he
1: was telling inside was, man Dave he was, tell- he was telling hey Foley B- Bernard Bernard, you've got plenty of time to kick <laughs> <He's gasps> sent plenty sent of time the, to send kick the waterman on hold it hold it hold yeah. it <laughs> Just ordering you some fush and chips, Bernard. <laughs> just, just chill out, bro. The yeah. inside man. That's exactly what he that sounds right. like as well, yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. yeah. That high forehead with no hair conceals <laughs> secrets, my friend. Mastermind, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, mega <laughs> mind, yeah. Um,
0: okay, back on topic. Gosh, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Uh, Champions Cup. I don't know if you've – you probably haven't watched much of this, no. but I fucking love the Champions Cup now. Mm. It is by far the best competi- club competition in the world – And we need to do something with Japan. I don't know. If you saw my Super Rugby video, again, on YouTube, I kind of pitched a couple ideas where it was a Super Rugby global competition that could be played similar to the uh, Euro Champions Cup, which is uh, the Europe version of it. But uh, the URC showing off their dominance, all eight teams qualifying, um, and the South African team's looking very good. Um, Tackle height in England. Yes. Let's get on to this topic because it was an interesting call. Uh, amateur rugby in England said that you must now tackle below the waistline. Now, this has been met with quite a lot of anger from the English. Uh, I know there was a petition with over 10,000 signatures signed.
1: I think it's more than that now. Now
0: it probably was. There I think was it was – l- last
1: I saw was like 65,000. Yeah.
0: Um, the idea behind this is to stop concussions from head knocks. What a lot of people are arguing, and I get the point, is the fact that – as a tackler, now you're going lower. If you put your head in the wrong position, you will also get concussed, mm. and we haven't taken that into consideration. Look, uh, I'm not – I'm always for player safety. Yeah. Especially at the amateur level. They've got to find a way to make it so players can – you know, more players want to play the game. It's safer for players to play the game. Um, I'm really interested to see how this goes. I hope they stick to it just so I can see how it goes. Uh but I can see why there's anger.
1: Yeah, and as well there's some interesting points to be made as well. Like if you can only tackle below the waist, I think you still have a serious risk of someone putting their head in the wrong place and getting concussed that way. Like how many times have we seen professional grade players um go go low yeah. and get 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 knocked out. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how much the risk is actually mitigated. I'd I'd love to see some statistics on how they count the decision. Like if they notice that, okay, when players go below the waist, they are X percent less likely to have the tackle result in the concussion. Um, so yeah, I see, you see the sense behind it. And yes, we are very pro player safety. Uh, but look, if you, if you have it at the amateur level, how are people supposed to learn proper tackle technique when they go up to a higher level? Right?
0: Yeah, interesting topic. Yeah, yeah. I do not even thought about like the, the, that. The, like the whole he...
1: development aspect of playing. So then, because presumably if you're having it in the amateurs, well, if you think, think about it like this, if you have it in the amateurs, right, and, but you don't have it in kids' leagues. And I know that's been debated as having it in, in kids' leagues as well. So it's
0: not in kids' leagues?
1: I don't I don't know if it is or not. I, I can't remember. But, I, but I'm going to play out both scenarios for you anyway. Yeah. So say it's not in the kids' league, but it is in the amateurs, right? How many people are going to join the amateurs and how many penalties and injuries are there going to be because people uh not going low they it takes them so long to unlearn what they've been learning in the juniors right say it is in the juniors and it and very well might be i feel like i've read would, that it is i would imagine it is yeah how are you supposed to learn proper tackling technique for when you do go into the seniors right like surely then that's just dangerous when you're in the seniors because you're not you don't have proper tackling technique well, for, I guess, above the waist yeah
0: it's more as soon as you go above the waist like you haven't Experience that before, so you find yourself in a new position rather than yeah. tackling technique. Because you'd have a pretty damn good tackling technique if you could only tackle by the waist. But it's that moment you do. and I. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't even. I, it, it'll revolutionise, I guess, rugby. a bit because when I go to tackle people, ninety percent of the time, if I'm not going low, I'm going for the ball. And so now you're just not allowed to go to wrap up the ball. Yeah. So like, you have to make a dominant tackle. I'm just. I'm interested. Like, okay, first person comes and makes that tackle low. The ball, obviously, is going to be held up. If it's not a dominant tackle, he's going to look for an offload. No one else can come in and touch him, basically. All they can do is come in and go low again. So you're just going to have, like, defenders trying to intercept ball. It's just going to be it's going to be an interesting d- dynamic, which is why I'm all right with England testing this. It's I just not
1: us testing it. Someone's testing it. A, not it. us
0: testing it, and B... I don't know. I'm I'm assuming they've tested this before and are now taking it to this grander scale rather than just going full. Blast. Yeah, blast. I haven't read enough into it to be fair because it's not happening here. Um, but yeah, it is. It is. Well, I mean, yeah, it is very interesting. Like I, I am a bit bemused by I'm, how it's going
1: I'm I'm sure, rugby Australia and New Zealand rugby will be watching it very closely.
0: Definitely, hundred percent. Um, so yeah we'll keep you up to date with that uh, Last point for the day I just thought this would be quite a little good idea um, And we've obviously got a couple of uh, similar um, lists here I want to know the Mount Rushmore of rugby So have you think Mount Rushmore obviously for American presidents um, Are they all presidents or are they just for famous Americans
1: Good point. Until you said that I was very presidents. I know they are they are all presidents. No cuz cuz I was about to say like it's Ben Franklin up there but no it it, it, is, it is all presidents. Yeah. It's um it's Washington, Lincoln, Roosevelt. uh yeah, Teddy Roosevelt and I believe Madison uh Jefferson. So Jefferson. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt and Abraham Lincoln.
0: Um so yeah, all four of them and obviously uh so, and, and the way they're the four best presidents, but everyone has these conversations now. Who would go on the Mount Rushmore review of basketball, American football? So I thought if we're looking at rugby and we did it, this Tom way. Brady,
1: Jerry Rice, Reggie White, and Barry Sanders. No, Deion Sanders, sorry. Deion Sanders? That's actually a pretty good list. I wouldn't,
0: yeah. I would, I would, I would have, I would struggle to argue against. Those.
1: Best um, quarterback Best defender Best wide receiver And Deion Sanders, best all-round athlete around that. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 all around Yeah Alright
0: well We don't have to do an NFL one Anytime yeah. um, soon But our, our Mount Rushmore rugby We've actually yeah. agreed on quite a few points I'm going to take you through my list first yeah. My Mount Rushmore rugby Goes like this Joe Lomu. I think Revolutionised the game And his. version of it uh, and started that movement from you know he came about when it was just going into professional rugby um, and it was just yeah
1: what I'm going to do here is is I'm going to interject whenever I agree with what he wants and Jonah Lomu is on my Mount Rushmore for the same reasons it's just he's he he is the first superstar of rugby you could argue like he's the he made like he built up rugby into sort of he put us on the path of what rugby is today and what it can be. And so we're sort of not even where rugby is today, where rugby used to be twenty years ago and where we're trying to get back to. It. Like it put us on the path to those heights. Yeah, global superstar, definitely.
0: Yeah. Uh number two, I had Richie McCaw. It's it's pretty self explanatory. Two captaining World Cup winner. Yeah. Um yeah. And uh just an all round legend, best Number seven to ever do it, a lot would say, Um, and I couldn't, couldn't, you couldn't not have a list of them.
1: Yeah, I I, and for that reason, even as an Aussie and having two New Zealanders on the list, it's hard to do. But you, you you can't argue against uh, Sir Richie. He's just, uh, he's he's an incredible all-round player, uh, and he's he's the Cameron Smith of rugby in that he knew how to captain a team, he knew how to play the rest, knew how to work things to his advantage. Right, he was a crusader as well, so he had that winning in the Super Rugby as well. So he was he, he was a, a great player for New Zealand. He's an asset that you, I think you are missing. Yes, a
0: hundred percent. Third on my list is Brian O'Driscoll, bod b o d the uh, Irish centre. I, I would say is best centre in the game mm-hmm. um, to ever do it. Longevity, just ability. It was just something different, like for. The team he had around him as a as an Irishman. Yeah. Uh, just what he did and what he accomplished and what, man, you wish you could just only imagine what he'd be doing right now with this yes. Irish team. Uh, uh, yeah, you could, I couldn't go past putting him in there.
1: I also had uh, Brian O'Driscoll in there. Uh, he was one of my favourite players to play in Rugby 08. <laughs> 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 uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely had a few uh, Ireland World Cup campaigns uh um because of him so yeah incredible uh incredible player
0: now the last one is where we disagree yes um I decided pretty early on I I needed a South African on there you, you don't really uh, I looked I looked all around and I said, Englishman Johnny Wilkinson could have easily found it on. I said you could have gone Dan Carter, t- Tana Umanga, t- t- third New Zealander. Mm. Um, but I was like, just you need to look at a South African. I looked at like Percy Montgomery. Mm-hmm. I looked at Matt Damon. Um, what's his name? Francis Piena, um, nineteen ninety-five, <laughs> yeah, World Cup winner. I, go, I, go, I
1: got you. <laughs> uh,
0: John Smith, Oz Durant was really close, but in the end, I decided. And I think he's actually going to get overtaken by Eben Biff in the end, especially if South Africa win another World Cup. But I went for Victor Matfield, the yeah. lock. I just think during that, and again, you, we're showing our age a little bit. We have I haven't got like you know Colin pine I looked at, I did look at an Australia, and I looked at John Eels. I looked at George Gregan. Yeah, I, I thought George Gregan was very close there. I just think you, the the past twenty odd years, twenty five years, has been pretty well dominated by All Black South Africa rugby and I feel like you need someone from South Africa on that list. Finding that individual was hard, but I think Victor Matfield, you know, was what rugby is. He was a, a respectable player. He wasn't a Bucky's bofa like mm-hmm. player, uh, and just just knew the game and was one of the best to ever do it.
1: And look, a lot of the reasons you describe that for Victor Matfield is why I've gone for John Eels, right? But, you know, it would, I, it would be un-Australian for me not to have a wallaby on this. <laughs> but again, a two-time World Cup winner, one of the greatest captains of Australia rugby. And I just look back at when Australian rugby was at its height, when rugby was at its height, right? I think arguably you could say the, the peak for rugby was the 2003 World Cup, yep. right? That was, he was huge here on Australian soil. Eagles was captaining there. But the Eagles was the embodiment of, of the Wallabies, and he's a, such a great ambassador for the game. Uh, he did everything right. Uh, he's now... Uh, going in, into the business world and it's shown that there's life outside of rugby. He Place he's taken his skills from the fi- uh from the field to off the field. Uh, and it's just George Gregan I also did consider there um for as because he's just an iconic Australian Australian player. Um Stephen Larkham I considered as well. Uh, uh more Molok. Uh, he's certainly more locked up there as well. Like quite a quite a few wallabies but then I think who led all of them? Who molded them into World Cup winning team, and that was John Eales. John Eales. Um, and he, I, I think because he is such a – like I have, I've actually worked with him in his uh, post-rugby career only for brief events, but just a very quiet sort of guy, doesn't make a big fuss about anything, doesn't like a big fuss being made about him. And I think that he sort of fades in a lot of people's mind because of those reasons. But when you look at what he did on the field and what he did for Australian rugby – it's, he's, it was amazing
0: I did I, I had like a couple of Like Sevens players in my head You know Rush um, Was one that came to mind Carl Tanana um, Rapini Kasson-Balbao as well From Fiji You know you have some of those guys mm. And you just go Man that, there is a lot to look at um, I know the English will be unhappy We probably didn't leave any Englishman But the only one I could put Was I think Johnny Yeah And then I looked at it and I go Johnny Wilkinson or Dan Carter
1: Yeah there's there's a lot of there's a lot and of. Then really I go,
0: great. yeah, like if, I'd probably put, pick Dan, Dan Carter over Johnny Wilkinson. So how am I putting Johnny Wilkinson on it? But then if I go Dan Carter, it to Matt field, I could probably make an argument. Like it's that's apples and oranges. We're starting to get into, but that's that's where. And again, same with Dan Carter and John Hills. I'd probably I'd probably put John Hills over Dan Carter as, with all the things that jo- Dan Carter accomplished, and arguably the most important position, arguably, um, in on a rugby field at first five. I'd still probably go John Eels over Dan Carter because I yeah. think that the, as talented as Carter was, the talent around Carter as well. There was a lot yeah. there. Yeah. John Eels, you know, you, you, everyone. If you don't remember that goal kick in the Bledisloe Slow to win the Bledisloe, Slow, like that is just peak John Eels. Yeah, that's all I can remember about John Eels is just what a freak athlete. Um, so yeah, I, I don't mind your list at all. I can I can sit there and go ha- I'm I'm pretty happy because yeah. Our arguments, where where the, the fact that we ended with two locks as well, like it just all, yeah. like it was very similar.
1: Yeah, but I, I saw I saw your list, and I just tried to I, I just tried to think like, can I take any of these players out? Like, is there anyone sort of what you were thinking? Like, can I put anyone over these players? And it was only at Mountfield that I felt like, okay, I could put Eels over over him. Uh, you know, I th- I think. Lomu and it's much as it pains me to say, Lomu and McCaw <laughs> have to be in there. I don't think anyone would have a list that didn't include include those yeah, two same. players. Um, and I, then I think after them is wide open for debate. And that's not saying that they're the two best, but just for the 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 magnitude of their achievements puts them up yeah. there.
0: I think it's like like when you're talking about basketball, you go LeBron James, and Michael Jordan. Yeah. Now they may not again. You can argue the two best. They probably are the two best players, but. You can go those two just guaranteed on just about yep. everyone's list. I think McCaw and Lomu would be similar, Where especially when you're not talking about greatest rugby player, you're just saying the Mount Rushmore when you're yep. thinking about that. Uh, yeah, no, very good. Um, that, I think, is us today. Yeah. Uh, a lot happening. I'm back back training um, full-time, looking at a shoot shield debut, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Might be playing the Waratahs uh, on the 18th, so I'll let you decide if you can work out what team I'm playing for. Um but
1: yeah, I'm just I'm just hitting the gym, getting sexy for the ladies. Yeah, no, fair enough. No rugby, in my future. I'm too old now. I'm knees are gone. Yeah, yeah, knee, yeah, knees gone, and I don't want to break my ribs again. Yeah. So that, that <laughs> he's called well.
0: it back into the commentary booth. You yeah, go, exactly. Look,
1: I'm 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 exiting the field gracefully. I know when it's time to call it quits.
0: You never want to You want to play pressure prime, and you know you exactly. hit, you hit your heights and you you've accomplished all you could.
1: I'm just like, I'm like Barry Sanders in a way. Yeah. Barry Sanders, everyone said, oh, he stepped away too early. He knew when it was time. He knew when the passion was The good, was good ones know when to go. Yeah, and yeah. I think we retired at similar ages as well. He was early 30s, I'm early 30s. So, yeah, pretty pretty much exactly the same. Everyone,
0: yeah. round of applause for Husey. Yeah.
1: Guys, <laughs> Look, I, I don't do it for me. I do it for the city of Detroit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Go Lions, Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> God.
0: All Thank you for joining us today. If you've stayed all the way to the end here, make sure you subscribe, like, all that good stuff. Check us out on all of everything else. Thank you. See ya.
1: Peace.